we're not eating the weed. What are you talking about? Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us on this spooky day. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the superfly space guy Mac. Hola muchachos. The gore lover Alexis. Hey everyone. The cowardly creeper Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen Paris. Hey campers. It's a tradition on this podcast to celebrate our unbirthday by commemorating Friday the 13th by watching an entry from the titular franchise. Before we get to what we have up our sleeves though, we have some follow-up. We do have some follow-up, Chris, and it's not about you just saying titular. I do what I can. (laughs) So we recently reviewed a film called The House of the Devil, and we wanted to hear what our friends on Twitter, Instagram, and social media thought about it. But first, we had a better question, which is, when you go to someone's house, do you snoop through their belongings? Now, the results here were actually very surprising. If you remember, uh, Alexis and I were team Snoop and everyone else was team get out of my house. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) Team, you are not to be trusted. (laughs) Um, But actually, only 62% of our voters said no, they don't Snoop through other people's belongings. And actually, 38% were team Snoop. It makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably petty stuff. Let's be honest, right? looking through my stuff is petty stuff yes (laughs) (laughs) it is actually petty yeah we have a couple comments uh jordan said half of you are terrible yep ryan agrees with that (laughs) spencer said sorry but if something grabs my attention just a quick look uh and we have another comment from greg who said i need to know what kind of toothpaste they use i'm with greg because you never know if you're like spending the night over someone's house and you walk in that shower And all they have is like a five in one. And my hair is way too curly to be using that kind of stuff. I need a conditioner. So I'm checking just so I know as a follow up, I need to bring something else. Is there a toothpaste that is unacceptable? Sensodyne. Cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon and Sensodyne. (laughs) Don't use Crest. Don't do it. What's wrong with Crest? It's not good. Colgate Ultra or Total or whatever it's called. Colgate though. Are you a dentist? (laughs) No, but dentists love it. I'd like to know that you should bring your own whatever you need. I've never used a man's shampoo or conditioner. I mean, when you first start talking to someone, you don't bring everything with you. Oh, I'd just be showing up with a bag. And I don't, (laughs) if I'm not showing up with a bag, I'm not showering at his house. You should always have an emergency kit in your car. Yeah, I need to start packing that in the bag. First of all, dudes, if you want people to show up to your house... You need to have some conditioner ready to go. That's all I'm saying. You can't just have your three and one and five and one. You got to have some actual conditioner so they can co-wash in the morning. Stop buying VO5 from uh, the Dollar General. <laughs> I feel like we could go on forever about this. Truly. We do got to get back to the house of the devil. So, you know, hack or slash. We we said our piece, but we wanted to hear from you. Uh, so 31% gave it a hack and a lovely 69% gave house of the devil a slash. Nice. Dude, our listeners loved this movie. Like, I saw so many people saying, like, you guys got it right. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, Rob had a mixed reaction to our episode. He said, the movie got some love, but not enough. It had great characters, the perfect replication of an 80s horror film, and the patience that Ty West showed in letting things develop. 
This movie delivers with extra anchovies. I see that reference you have there, sir. Okay, I didn't see the reference, and I was like, did he say anchovies? And now I, I got it. But I'm not going to lie. I've been sitting here for a couple seconds like, what? We also have another comment from Friday Parade on Twitter who said, The lead performance was awesome, and I too wanted to believe that Mr. Ullman was a good guy. Plus, Megan is Greta fucking Gerwig, a point that we forgot to mention. I wondered whether Megan's discussion with about money was leading to a rich person satanic cult, which her dad was going to be a part of as a surprise twist. But as you said, Samantha and Megan felt like real people. Pizza grease, finger licking, and sweetie stealing. Soft hack, as I felt they could have given us a bit more to chew on during the middle, but good. Love you guys. I love that assessment. It's so astute. And, you know, she actually brought something else to our attention that we hadn't considered yet. So we recognize that a notable portion of our listeners are located outside of the United States and may be unable to take advantage of dialing the domestic local number for the hacker slash hotline. As a result, we actually implemented a voice messaging tool on our website. So you can visit hackerslash.com slash contact and tap send an audio message to share your thoughts and have your voice heard on a future episode. You can do it powered by the Internet from anywhere. I love that because I feel like people hear our voices all the time. I'd love to hear some other voices than y'all's. Also, accents. Please share your accents so that I can (laughs) try to replicate it horribly. And finally, we have another voice we'd love to hear from, and that is one of our newest patrons, Kyle. Kyle, if you are listening to this, send us an audio message with uh, your thoughts on this movie. I love that. Kyle's also the one who actually brought to our attention that not everybody can see our chapter markers. So Kyle's already contributed to this show in a very big way. And we love you for that, Kyle. And that's our follow-up. All right, brace yourselves, friends, because you're about to meet Jason in a whole new dimension this week. Now, taking place after the events of Friday the 13th Part 2, we actually pick up on Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th as more kids stumble into Jason's path of havoc. This time around, though, we get to see Jason evolve from being clumsy sackhead Jason, and folks, this isn't even his final form. Of course, we're talking about the 1982 3D classic Friday the 13th Part 3. Now, who has seen this before? I have. Last time we, when we reviewed um, part two, I was like, oh, I'm going to keep going. I think Mac was all on this like train about watching them all. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I'm pretty sure I only go, got past this one, though. You're right. I did about six to seven Friday the 13th films within like two days or something. It, I was committed. So, yeah, I watched this right around a year ago when we did the previous installment. Mm, So uh, you know me, I've never seen this movie. And in fact, I have never seen a single Friday the 13th movie. And I was talking to Chris about it because I was like, is this possible? And the only vision I have of Jason is him standing in the woods, (laughs) which, you know, (laughs) I could have seen that anywhere. That could have been a poster. I don't know. So I watched uh, one, two, and three in preparation for this. So this was my first time. Hey, Ryan. I'm sitting right next to you on this couch because- I expected that. (laughs) I too had not seen uh, the first two films. I have seen Freddy vs. Jason because why the hell not? So yeah, I also had a little movie marathon this week. Oh, that's so good. We'll, of course, rewind the original Friday the 13th and perhaps even part two. When we recorded part two, it was before many of your times. It was actually when we had Damien from The Strangers Pray at Night on our show. And Friday the 13th part two is one of his favorite movies. So that was a good time. Now, it's no secret that I'm not a fan of the original Friday the 13th. It was like the first hack I ever gave on this show. This is a rare franchise where I think the movies actually get better the more they do. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely a point where it just gets ridiculous and absurd. But the further they lean into like the definition of Jason, the better off they are, I find. I've watched them all several times and I've found them to be fun movies to enjoy with friends. But, you know, Paris, Ryan, you hadn't seen any of these before. What were you expecting going into 
part three, having watched part one and two. So I kind of assumed I would think these movies were bad. I don't know, Ryan, you may feel the same, but I actually enjoyed the first two quite a bit. Uh, the original I felt was like, eh, okay. And then the end really got me because I uh, I wasn't expecting the ending that we got in that original movie uh, based on everything I had known about Friday the 13th. And the second one, I feel like they perfected. And that's just the formula of over-sexualized, super hot camp counselors getting killed. I was like, you know, this is this is fun. Uh, and in the second one, literally everybody was so hot. Uh, so I was expecting more hot counselors to get killed in the third one. Mm, sounds like a camp happy dreams we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, and it's okay to spoil the ending of part one. If you were listening to this episode, I'm sorry, guys. This is the third entry in the franchise. You have to at least know is Mrs. Voorhees in part one. Yes. And let me just say, uh, being able to experience that jump out of the lake for the first time, which for some reason, when it happened, I was like, oh, I've seen that before, but I haven't seen it before. I don't know. It seems like it might be a recurring theme, but that that got me for the original i was uh i was i was pretty excited by that uh, it's really interesting i kind of had to talk to chris about it a little bit because after i watched the first movie i was like oh so is jason in these movies <laughs> is jason a fictional character that doesn't actually exist in well he is a fictional character but <laughs> so i was kind of confused and she was like well he's coming so going into this one i knew we would get like hockey mask jason and i was Super excited about that. So I went in expecting a bunch of kills and new, uh, new scary version of Jason. Mm, love that. Love that. Now, obviously, Alexis, Mac, you've both been around the block. How are you guys feeling while you're watching this one? You know, I had a thought this time while watching it that I, I don't know if I realized last time, which is this movie has the funkiest yet also kind of Halloweeny spooky intro credits. Oh, I love it funkiest you've ever heard yes i had that i had that in my notes the only thing i could think of while watching it was like that would be so fitting for a netflix style reboot at least of this particular installment i don't know if we want to see everything rebooted but like i could see that happening you know like stranger things style oh yeah this is hands down at least in my opinion the best theme we get in the franchise oh yeah and honestly while watching it i don't know i binge watched six to seven films last year when we were getting into friday the 13th so i kind of forgot exactly what was going to be in this particular installment but as soon as we jumped in i like felt like i had just watched it yesterday or something it it is pretty recognizable and has its own feeling which which was good they do run together though that's for sure yeah and i think that's what i appreciated as how they kind of like have a continuation from part two to part three in the beginning so i'm like oh okay it's like a cool kind of recap in the beginning just so i don't have to you know but it's so funny mac because i have watched this one i was super entertained it didn't feel like i had just seen this even though we probably watched it about the same time but like you said you watch seven of six or seven of them so that might do a little damage and i feel like each of them has different themes and it's all you know you go from sackhead to this kind of Jason that you have in this one to like a supernatural. So I'm sure there's a bunch of themes and that you could kind of forget about this one. And then remember you just watched it. Exactly. And I think the hockey mask Jason like intro is particularly, I don't know. It sets, it sets it apart because when I was going into the first one and second one last year, I was surprised and kind of disappointed that I had to wait for that to happen. Yes. Yeah. Very surprised by that. Yeah. That was my strife about part two. I was like, this is not, my Jason. Right. Because we grew up having 
Jason already in the world as a thing, hockey mask, machete. We didn't go through it like the first time through when they were being released. So we think of him as being a particular thing. So I, I think it is a good series to binge watch because you kind of see the development of the character and the and stuff going along with him. During this one, I actually felt a little bit different than I did. Um, I kind of went into it thinking I was so surprised by how much I enjoyed the second one that it, it probably can't get any better than that for me. So I was surprised to see how many uh, or how much focus there was on characters that weren't camp counselors. Uh, it seemed like there was a, a larger cast outside of the lake that was uh, integrated into this one. And I was like, huh, do I care about you? I don't know. Uh, so I was kind of torn a little bit while watching this. Oh, yeah. Wait till you find out that Jason eventually goes to New York and there are no camp counselors anywhere. <laughs> Funny enough, I am kind of on the opposite side where at this point I was just like, all right, like, uh, I don't really need to see any more camp counselors, to be honest with you. I'm kind of tired of everyone hanging out around the camp. Like, I, I was excited to see some people from outside finally because I was like, I, there's just too many teenagers talking about having sex all the time. You know, that's a, that, it's too much. For sure. And I can agree with that. And and part of what I was saying earlier about how like the further they lean into the development of Jason, the better it gets. And I think that's because Jason is, in my in my opinion, one of the only sympathetic killers, right? So like in part two, you have survivalist Jason who's just doing his own thing and people show up on his land and someone killed his mother after, you know, he was presumed to be dead. So he's a, kind of like a character that you end up feeling sorry for throughout the franchise. And of course, he gets more sinister as he goes. But Watching this one around, I felt this really weird sense of comfort for some reason. Like, it felt like a nice warm hug. And I think that was just purely out of nostalgia. And I did pick up on a few different things character-wise, though. And honestly, that's one of the things that surprised me the most. What surprised me the most was, was how much I was disappointed in one of the main characters. And there's one that just everyone just about universally hates. That's not the one I'm talking about. If you've seen this movie once, you walk into this movie expecting that torture from that particular character. But for as much clarity as I have of this movie, for some reason, the really shitty toxicity of another main character just chilled in my blind spot, never picked up on it until now. That was one of the things that surprised me because we have some weird kind of interactions between people. There's there's some horrible body shaming that a character goes through, but then that character is also incredibly annoying and puts on this whole like good guy facade that's just a little bit too much. I think he's also the one body shaming himself. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a really kind of weird thing where it's like, oh, I'm so fat and nobody likes me. And then everyone else is like, you know, where's Chubster's at? So it's that kind of whole thing could have been left out. But that was that was surprising. I don't think I paid as much attention to it the first time through. For me, it's kind of similar to something that Chris mentioned is I was surprised how much I care about Jason. And I will say I feel the same way in like the Halloween franchise. I'm like, why do I think Mike Myers is like a good guy? Like, why do I think Michael Myers is not going to kill somebody? Because he's just out here living his life, Ryan. That's all. I know. And then in, in this one, we have like this form of Jason where <laughs> literally after he kills somebody, You'll, he'll just have a, a, a there's will be certain camera angles showing him and it just makes me think like oh he's just like such a chill normal dude <laughs> why do i feel that way i don't know it's not okay but that's a real generous statement i know i'm just like oh maybe he just like needs to see certain people and like talk to them <laughs> but that's not how this works <laughs> i was um super disappointed i think in this like storyline that they had going um side by side of this this biker gang oh yeah i i just 
I just wasn't sure. To me, it served no purpose. And I even thought about it. And I was like, man, when the biker showed up, that's when I was like, I have seen this movie. And I was like, okay, clearly this is a part I didn't like about it last time. I was like, what is this? Arguably, they do serve a very big purpose that we'll get to as we get to the ending of this movie. I think they just serve the purpose of padding the body count. Yes. Honestly. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I was kind of, I guess, surprised by didn't know they had 3D movies back in the 80s. I was like, is this supposed to be 3D? And then the more research I did, I was like, oh, it is. Yeah. It's real shitty. But uh, <laughs> isn't it all? Yeah, it's all. Remember, House of Wax from the 50s was in 3D. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I remember wow. being blown away by that one. This is like this movie, like the opening scene, you're like, oh, this was 3D. <laughs> That's how like my bloody Valentine was like overly like the newer yeah. ones, like overly done. It was a big thing to make this movie in 3D. It had been like 30 years, I think, since the studio had made a 3D movie. So it was a, it was a big push. Also, people love to do part three in 3D. Like, it's number three. It's 3D, man. Jaws 3D. I actually didn't pick up on the fact that it was 3D until uh, one of the kills happened that was like super obvious. And I was like, okay, this was definitely 3D. But I got to say, the thing that surprised me the most uh, was the final girl. Because in every Friday the 13th movie... I did not see the final girl coming. You know, I I would watch it and there's like several girls. It kind of seems like it's focusing on one girl and then you realize it's this other girl that's going to be the one that survives. So all three of these movies surprised me with that. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So, so just to be clear, you didn't see her coming in this movie either. No, I did not. Oh, I love that. And I love that because I feel like the characters in this are consistently some of the most likable, specifically the women in this. There are a couple who end up dying that I'm like, you are serious Final Girl material. I feel like they still make it a little bit obvious who it's going to be, but I love how well-rounded everybody is. I will say, though, that the ending is, quite frankly, one of the most disappointing things about this movie. It's not like it's a complete and total turnoff for me, but it honestly is just this bigger representation of the original sins of this franchise, which is a lack of originality. I'll elaborate more on that later, but did this ending sit well with any of you? Yeah, I totally agree. And in my opinion, there's like kind of like a plot hole uh, where I'm kind of confused. Ooh. Yeah, same. Yeah, the ending was weird. I'm I'm not quite sure why they went with it. I feel like the pre-end, as we like to call it, but you know, leading up to the very last moments of this film, I think that was like pretty good. And then we get to this one ending scene that was like, okay, I guess you could do it that way. But I mean, it's it's a Jason movie, you know. When I when I did the binge, I got to kind of see that each movie has its own feeling. But it's it's another Jason movie, so it's one of those things where yeah, each has their own thing. But as you start kind of putting them all together, they all get a similar feeling of I'm watching something in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. I don't know if it's three. I don't know if it's eight. It's it's something that's in there. So. Yeah, it's not its its own special feeling story where you can, it really stands out for me, at least. So not super duper original, but, you know, it's it's got its own little vibe. I'm with you, Alexis, in that there are a couple questions I have about the ending uh, from like a logistical or like plot point standpoint. But I'd say the climax for me was a little underwhelming. The ending, I was kind of like, okay, again, I have questions. Uh, there was some gore in the end that I thought was really uh, successful. And then I was kind of just like, I'll watch a fourth one. So that's where they left me. It didn't ruin it for you, at least. No. Yeah. I'm kind of in like the same boat as everyone else here. Like uh, specifically with like the climax, I think the, the, the main points toward the end of the movie and like the main like 
you know, chasing. It just doesn't really like do it for me. Um, and a lot of the movie, those elements did. And then we got to the big one and I was just like, eh, and I kind of don't really care for the final girl, honestly. What? Uh, and then the ending is just like, okay, I guess, but it didn't like, it wasn't a total bomb, but it's like, it's just like, eh, like there's a, there's an element here that is not, uh, I always say I hate like people waking up from a dream in a movie. This is not what happens, but it makes me feel kind of the same way. But I will say there were some jumps in this movie that got me. There were some that didn't, but there was a few that got me. There was like some, not the, not the cheesy ones, but there was a few. I was a little bit, not like scared, but like, you know, I was a little stressed. I can definitely see that. I downloaded this before I got on the plane. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. I'm pretty sure it's going to be awkward that I'm watching a horror movie. Like I feel every time I'm on an airplane or somewhere close. Yes. I'm like, someone's going to judge me, but this is eighties. I'm sure people can understand. Like it's around Halloween. Won't judge me. Um, I sat next to two priests. (laughs) <laughs> what yes <laughs> definitely texted chris two of them next to me and i was like lord have mercy that's amazing <laughs> they're really cool. too bad we weren't doing house of the devil yeah, I, know, right? I felt so bad i was like i don't want him to see me watch other people getting murdered even though it's <laughs> has nothing fake. to do with you <laughs> yeah, or i don't nothing. want them to see me watching people have sex in the 80s mm, that part i did hide, hide the boobs at work i will be We'll be honest. Yeah, I did turn, uh, mostly turned it and had it in my face. So I think that's why it was a little bit terrifying because um, it was just straight up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. I wish I was scared by this movie, uh, but I wasn't. And that's really all I got to say about it. I feel like it was a little too on the side of cheese to, to scare me at any point. Obviously, I wasn't scared by this film. That's just obvious because that's just who I am. But if you're, you know, the type that's easily fooled by some fake outs and some jump scares, I think you're going to have fun with it. Yeah, this one isn't isn't one that I would even like chalk up as scary. I can't wait to hear what what jumps got Ryan, though. I think they did try to orchestrate things very carefully, but I will say it is moderately gruesome and I'm not mad at that. And I'm excited to hear what Alexis has prepared for the gore score. But let's start making our way to that gore score. Now, before we rate this movie, Alexis, how many people bit the dust? 12 bit the dust on this one it's a nice it's a nice uh, body count for this movie for this franchise That's I, t- a lot. I totally thought it was gonna be more than that oh, i'm okay. actually so surprised just 12 <laughs> i think it's because we watched three movies yeah, yeah i think so <laughs> you just uh, saw a lot of people die <laughs> yeah and once you get past part four and you realize that the, th- the two three and four all happen within the same long weekend jason has a very high body count in one small span of time Bro, that morgue is busy, okay? Oh, for sure. But are they busy with any animals? Oh, dude, I don't want to talk about it. Unfortunately, they are busy. There are some animal deaths uh, in this movie, and it is just the saddest, unfortunately. But, you know, it's such as life. It's just a movie. It'll be okay. But let's go ahead and start scoring this movie. Friday the 13th, part three, in 3D from 1982. Was it a hack or was it a slash? So I feel like this is a brand of movie that I would normally not like. And I'll be honest, the first movie is a hack for me. And um, 
so I just, you know, I just kind of went in, like I went into the first one with certain expectations. And then I came into this one and like, basically all my expectations had just been bombs dropped on them and like all kinds of other stuff happening, considering Jason isn't even in the first movie. So I came in here open-minded and free, you know, just ready to accept whatever life threw at me. And in this movie, I was thrown a 3D uh, horror film with like what felt like 20 kills, which it wasn't, but that's what it felt like to me. And they were all like unique and fun. And we're going to talk about this, but we got a hot dog slice, a new hot dog slice. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. OG, and hot dog the slice. OG, like the inspiration for, you know, our gore meter is, is here. So uh, there's just certainly things I didn't care for. I did not love the climax, the final girl, the ending, which normally would add up to a hack. Uh, I try not to weigh too heavy on it for it being shot in 3D because that can be kind of an annoying element. However, for me, I'm going to go Slash. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And like even to the point where I'm like prepared to watch it again, which is so off-brand for me. Yes, we finally found it. And I, I like to note, I kind of like Jason as not as much as I like Freddie, but like I really like Jason. He's got a lot of character, a lot of a lot of personality for me. And it's so funny that you like say that, um, or you end with that comment because I was so stuck on not seeing the Jason that I grew up with that I was so put off um, when we watched part two, and that was like a strife that I had with Damien. Like I was like, ah, no, I like this newer one. He's like, I appreciate the old one. So you get, you know, this character development over a sequence of movies. And I think I could finally look back now and appreciate that. And I think to me, I don't care how crazy these movies get. Um, but I can just appreciate that they took that time to develop him so well into the person that I know him as now. Um, and I think I can go back and probably give part two a slash. Um, oh, wow. Is, is this a live retroactive, retroactive slash? Yeah. <laughs> Retro. <laughs> don't worry. You'll, you'll have your chance in the rewind. Okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> I don't, there's just like these interesting dynamics in the characters. And, you know, I really like these visual elements. Um, I, I love all the kills in this. Um, Easy or not. Oh, there's just so much fun. Like, this is a fun movie to watch, and it really gets me in the Halloween spirit, and it makes me want to keep watching more Friday the 13th movies like Mac did. So, I'm definitely giving this a slash. It's funny because that gives me the summer spirit and not the Halloween spirit. But the blood is pretty appropriate for this season. Yeah, this is a classic slasher. And although it blends in with the other Friday the 13th films, I think it's worth a watch. I think it's fun. If you're in the mood for an 80s slasher, this is one of the types of movies I would recommend. So it's a, it's a slasher for me. And I know that obviously part two definitely inspired a lot of the fun we had while recording our birthday episode. But uh, yeah, part three has a special place in my heart simply because of a certain character that I ended up hating that I get to see go. And hopefully we get to talk about that later. But yeah, I was happy with it. I think it's I think it's a decent film. It's it's not a joke. It's not a waste of time. So I think you'll have fun watching it this Halloween. Hopefully you go on a seven movie binge like I did. I think it's worth it. I didn't make it to Jason Takes Manhattan. So that's kind of that's the next step for me. I would like to note I've never watched seven movies of anything ever within like 
even two weeks. Not even Harry Potter? Nothing. There's nothing in this world. I'm just not that human. That is just such an intensity that I can't even imagine. I'm trying to remember why I was watching all these movies because I wasn't even on the Friday the 13th Part 2 episode. It's because you were on the Friday the 13th 2009 reboot episode. Right. So whatever movies I binge watched, add one to that because then I also had to watch the reboot you couldn't i would sleep through all of them (laughs) so what i did is i watched two or three at a time basically on days off and then after work this is before i had a girlfriend so aha yeah single life there's always an explanation yeah and there's a real there's a like character development here for mac on this podcast right that's very true for all of us really so as i already mentioned i watched the first second and third movies this week i was very surprised that i enjoyed the first one I was even more surprised by how much I enjoyed the second one. Like that was actually probably a fave of mine, not top 10, maybe top 25. Uh, And I was like, you know, it can't get better than this. And it did not for me. Uh, Also, y'all are rude because I thought I wasn't going to be the only one hacking this, but it seems like I might be. First of all, there's like two scenes where somebody's pooping in this movie. No, never. No, thank you. I mean, literally every day, not never, but okay. (laughs) I don't need to see it on my TV. Um, But then there's also just all these randoms that are very ugly and not hot team teen camp counselors getting killed and i didn't care about these characters it it felt like it was too far outside of the realm of like what this movie's good at or what this franchise is good at um there were some kills that i really liked and i feel like friday the 13th has some really solid kills in its arsenal uh but ultimately the climax i actually fell asleep several times during it and i kept having to like wake up and rewind because it was so lame ultimately i think one thing that i can fault the franchise as a whole meaning I've only seen three of these movies, is that the final girls in this movie kind of suck. Oh my God. I know, Chris. Earlier you mentioned that like, oh, these final girls are great. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that part. Uh, So this is getting a hack for me. Uh, Of the three I've seen so far, it's the worst. Um, Maybe it's not the worst in the franchise. If you're watching all of them, you don't have to skip it necessarily. Watch it the once, but I'm not watching this again. I'm so in disagreement with you tonight. It's not even funny. I don't know who you are anymore. I thought we were on the same team. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot to to unpack there that I had to kind of just like sit back and absorb it for a second. The offended. Let me just bring this back to a good note here. I can't believe you thought people in this movie. Sure, there are like some random peripheral characters, but... For the most part, there's some good-looking people in this movie. And I think this movie has the most beautiful women in the franchise. I'm just saying. Also, horror movies aren't about how people look, but I don't know. Exactly. But I feel like this franchise is. No. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. Because they have progressively gotten so much more attractive. Starting from part one, people were wildly unattractive in part one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They definitely peaked at two, is what I'll say. No, they peaked at three. (laughs) There's one unattractive person in this movie. Well, two if you count one of the bikers. But anyway, (laughs) earlier I mentioned the sense of comfort I had watching this movie. And I realized something really quickly as soon as I heard the first screech of like, damn it, Harold, this is the Friday the 13th movie that I remember in the absolute most clarity, not just its kills, but like it's, yeah, it's, it's small, seemingly mundane or insignificant moments with the exception of one character. It's not even like I watched this more than the others because I didn't. I think it's just because pound for pound, from my perspective, it's one of the strongest movies in the franchise. You've got a gaggle, you have a gaggle of likable folks, not you, Shelly. <laughs> and look, 80 slasher, you know you're getting a final girl. And the one in this is my absolute favorite in the franchise, hands down, uh, because of her wit, because of how she pays attention. 
And because of the things that she carries with her and her whole reason for being at this place in the first place. It has an abundance of flaws for sure. Though they're kind of endearing. So it's a slash and I'm going to be real with you guys. This movie is the strongest slash I'm probably going to give this whole franchise. Because they kind of get worse from here. Part 4 is okay. We have some differences of opinion here. So we have to get to the next half here so we can sort things out. But there you have it folks. Out of the five of us here tonight, Friday the 13th Part 3 gets four slashes and one hack. Now, you can find this movie a number of ways. You can find it streaming on AMC or AMC+. Or, if you're the lucky recipient or owner slash purchaser of the Ultimate Friday the 13th collection of Blu-rays that's recently been released, congratulations to you. I'm kind of jealous about that. But check it out and join us in the second half so we can get down to the final girl, we can get down to how attractive everyone is, or unattractive according to Paris, and we can uh, learn more about Jason. We'll see you in a bit. becomes too much. Where do you go to escape the hustle and the bustle? Green grass, crystal clear water, and peaceful nights. Nothing could be better. Carve out your own slice of heaven in one of our beautiful renovated cabins. Jason's Cabin Rentals has the most remote, cozy cabins in the woods to put your weary heart at ease. Rest your head in our plush down pillows. Drown your sorrows in our cool, refreshing streams. Or cut down the lights and get some rest at one of Jason's cabins. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Friday the 13th Part 3, which was so close to being universal, but only managed four slashes among one hack. We have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings and just how Paris managed to hack this movie, we had the matter of gore to get to. So, Alexis, a lot of 3D, a lot of gore. What you got? Yes, I'm like loving these. I think this is probably, uh, maybe Matt can attest to this. I feel like after this, the kills get very like intriguing, very like different. I mean, I loved the kills on this because there's just so much variety. This does actually have like, in my opinion, with the 3D, it does have a good amount of gore in it, especially when you get toward, I mean, just like the effects and some of the things you're not expecting, you know, there's like Rick's death and, you know, you have these sticks and you have these throat slits, you know, knives, needles. I mean, some people are even beat to death. Like, I mean, it's just like, I just love the variety. It's, 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 freaking awesome um also you get the og as ryan had said the og uh hot dog death that was the saddest thing and i knew it was coming the entire time for andy i was like poor andy when he was doing that headstand i was like oh no 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 like you're trying to show off one and no one's even in the hallway but i knew i was like when are we gonna see these feet when are we gonna see these feet like also such an 80s way to behave in a house it's just like oh i'm gonna walk around <laughs> on my hands man look what i learned because i can yeah <laughs> yeah he's just doing his thing showing off his athletic arms <laughs> and i think we've seen this cut before done um so i think we know what's happening so i think if if you're seeing this first time it might be a little bit more jarring um but then also you see his body like twisted up in like I don't even know Ugh. what a compartment or something like. It's like somebody opened a book. Yeah. It's, it's a hot dog sliced pretzel. Oh. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a pretzel dog. It's a pretzel dog. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Chilling in the rafters. <laughs> being on <laughs> A little ketchup. With 12 deaths. I'm sure everyone has a favorite. Hopefully I didn't take any away because I know typically I do. So I'd love to hear what y'all think either about the gore or your favorite um, kill. 
you definitely hit it on the head. There are 12. There are so many lovely deaths to choose from here. And I feel like that's like my favorite thing about this movie. I think I wouldn't have slashed this if there wasn't so much variety. For me, my absolute favorite, which I feel like I'm going to steal somebody's here, but it's the harpoon, man. You know? Yes, Mac, I took it from you. The harpoon in the eye. That was just like, that's a rock, that's a rock star death. I don't know if that's a thing, but it was just awesome. And, um, it's one of the only 3d shots that didn't drive me crazy because i just hate that and in this instance i actually enjoyed it i was like yes make me feel like i'm getting shot by a harpoon give it to me i want it it was great and you really see him in this mask too for the first i mean like one of the first times you see it and it's so like scary yeah and that's that definitely contributes to it it's definitely the one i'm most salty about because i really didn't want her to die she's great relating to my earlier comment while it's a pretty lackluster death Shelly's death was satisfying for me because he was such an annoying character. And I like the fact that when it happened, they just assumed it was another of his stupid pranks. I feel like we saw that coming. The moment he did like a fake death, I was like, oh, this is going to happen later. And they're going to be like, quit fucking around, Shelly. The only thing that disappointed me, though, is that I feel like we should have seen more of his death. Like I wanted to see him suffer, see his pain, and then see him try to like stumble in for help. Okay, Alexis. (laughs) I mean, hey, he was a dick. Uh, once again, Ryan, you have excellent taste in kills. Um, the Vera death was also my favorite, partially because the lighting in that scene when she's going to get that wallet is like breathtaking. But I guess I'll give a shout out to one of my favorite gore moments. And that's the end end where we see Mrs. Voorhees come out of the uh, the, the lake. Uh, one, somehow her head is back on. Don't know how that happened. Uh, but she also had like moving like eels or like worms hanging out of her face when she jumped out. And I was like, that's a very good effect that really did something for me. It's so funny. That scene did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> There's a lot of things being done tonight or not being done. Yeah. People, which is, I find freaking hilarious. We have a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that ending frustrates me to no end. The gore on that, like the design of Mrs. Voorhees being the lady in the lake is super cool, but I'll, I'll get to my rant about the ending in a, in a minute. My favorite death is actually probably one of, the ones that people like the least because it's the cheesiest and it's definitely the one that does not look good at all, but it's Rick's death. It is the Jason caressing him with his arms, squishing his head and then right out. Just the eyeball just flinging out. You can see the wire that is tr- it's flying on for 3D. I think it's one of the most memorable kills for me, just generally. And then on top of that, I didn't like any of Rick's bullshit in this movie. So I was satisfied to see him go in such a violent way. What a douche. Yeah, their dynamic was so weird. Like, I was just trying to figure it out. I'm like, have they had sex before? Is he 45? <laughs> what, what's happening? Yes to both. He wants to do it again and wants her to just forget her trauma. Exactly. I'm like, is he a douche? <laughs> yeah. One of the things that's really interesting about this movie, though, is that there's a lot more gore that we could have gotten. So there are actually a lot of deaths that had to be cut out in order to avoid an X rating. You guys want to hear what some of them were? Yes. One of the first, that hot dog style cut that's not really vertical because he's kind of like cut in half, severed at the hip. Andy's death, which would actually show everything being cut off and his stomach being ripped open. I can't imagine. That would have been intense. Wow. I would have loved that. And I, I feel like Andy didn't deserve that. Um, Vera's death was going to be... Way more gory, and it was going to apparently look way too real. Edna's death with the knitting needle was cut because of excessive blood flow. And Chili's impalement with the fire with the fire poker was cut because there was going to be a shot showing steaming blood hitting the floor. Ooh. Yeah. 
And then there's also going to be uh, Debbie. So the pregnant woman who was killed in the same way that Kevin Bacon is killed in the original. Her death scene was also trimmed because it originally showed blood running down her chest and splattering on her face. So it was just too much. That, uh, what is it? A fireplace, a fire poker. That thing being burning hot and getting the poke and we get like a sizzle and then they, they walk back in and they're like, oh, smells like something's burning. Like, oh, it was so good. How could you be mad? You know, how could you not enjoy this? Yeah. I mean, she had a real silly kind of trot around the house with her hands like flailing like a little T-Rex arms, but I still didn't mind it. Like, I know a lot of people think that's like the worst acting in the franchise, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. I I never said that I love this movie for its uh, logic and cohesiveness. That's for sure. And great acting, but nonetheless. So Rick's death is an example of one of the things that I like best, and I think it's going to be a very unpopular opinion. I know a lot of people aren't thrilled with the quality of 3D in this movie, especially when you get to actually watch it in 3D. And where I would normally hate this in most movies, I actually really like the 3D gimmicks because I felt most of them felt just like good depth shots, like even little shots like the baseball bat as they cut away from the Harold and Edna scene and you're seeing like Chris and her friends drive up on the street. Uh, the yo-yo for example all these things that definitely did not need to be there during the production they're like let's just fit it in wherever we can and they spent more time doing the 3d shots than actually filming the rest of the movie but i really liked it i do not agree with you chris the 3d things annoyed me (laughs) i think i'm like the only person who feels that way yeah i think so but i have like a little silly scene that was one that i really enjoyed which was the it's funny because I hated the whole like gas station, uh, a biker gang situation. Yeah. I don't know. It was like the worst. Yeah, it was the worst. And I was having this moment where I was like, is this like something that ever happened in the eighties or did they just make this up for eighties movies where people just show up and just like squish you between them? They're like, Hey man, we're hard. I don't know, but I hated that, but I loved their, driving away in the in the Volkswagen bug like they're uh, I guess getting in and the you know busting the windows and then them going off and coming back and running over and everything I enjoyed that scene so much after hating the previous one um it was just like a little fun different moment and that was something that was outside the camp that w- that I really enjoyed I Mac had mentioned this before but um I really loved the credits in the beginning and I think the music was really like pretty like rad like it was just like that's the best way I can describe it is totally radical because that's how (laughs) someone would use this to describe but i really i mean going back to what i said about this transformation of jason throughout the whole franchise like i think what i really loved was you know i got to see this jason finally that like you know i've been teased for two movies for uh and it's that moment where he's carrying chili and you get the full on of him and the hockey mask and it just looks so freaky to me because I think when he first grabs it, it looks kind of like fake because it's not this worn in mask that I was expecting to see. But um, it's just like the Jason I know today. So I love that badass like look from Jason. How about that moment when you like first see the hockey mask, but it's on Shelly? Yes. Or you see it on the ground. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> it's kind of like that moment in, in like Avengers movies where – you know, you see Thor's hammer and then comes to Thor and Thor then like kills everybody who's a bad guy in the movie. You're just like, yeah, don that thing. Get put that mask on. Become the Jason I know. My my favorite scene is also involving Jason, oddly enough, but it's when he's messing with the biker gang in the shed. I just love that whole like sequence of events where they're coming to like sabotage these younger folk and the stupid sequence of events leads them basically all to get killed almost. And the smoking near the gasoline 
that's a dumb idea. So thank you, Ali, for pointing that out, because what a stupid thing to do, smoking around gasoline. Right. But first, one gets taken out, then the next gets taken out, and then Ali is going to fight Jason, which I found hilarious, because he's angry at him. He's like, going to go for him. And then he doesn't get dispatched from this world quickly. He gets like knocked the F out, which was hilarious. I'll say my favorite scene that wasn't related to Vera's death, because that was truly just like beautifully done, uh, was the scene in the beginning when they're all in the car and they think the cops are going to pull them over. So they eat the weed. (laughs) Yes. And this is for a very specific reason. Uh, I was on like a a trip one time for, for school and we were talking about like, or like some girl that was driving. It was like a weird situation where you had to like drive somewhere with your classmates for college classes. Uh, But the girl was like, yeah, if the cops pull us over, we have to eat the weed. And I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. We're not eating the weed. What are you talking about? It is not the craziest thing. Apparently not. And now I feel bad. So girl from my uh, microbiology class, if you're listening, I apologize for telling you that was insane. Uh, Apparently people do eat the weed. Yes, I I definitely have ate the weed. And it's never a good idea. Oh my God, you've done it? Yeah. I mean, I could never smoke it when I was younger. I mean, I hope my mom's not listening to this. But like I could never, (laughs) I never had the capability of like smoking at my house. So I'd buy it and eat it. No. Wait, that's. (laughs) That's not the same. No one ever told me you should not do this shit. Wait, you're not talking about cooking with it. Aren't you supposed to cook it or something? You think I was cooking (laughs) brownies at my house? You did this more than once? (laughs) Well, sometimes I had a, I'm like, put it in chip dip. Like one time I cut open the. Just sprinkling dry nugs. You are using marijuana as cilantro. (laughs) As a garnish in your guac. (laughs) It was, I think, like the, what are the ruffle chips you dip them in that white one, the sour cream and onion kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. No, you're supposed to choke dip. That is incredible. And then the other thing was on on Pop Tart. I like cut the top of the Pop Tart and then put it inside the Pop Tart and put the top back on. Okay, you're supposed to eat weed when the cops are coming, like to get rid of it. But also, don't ever do that. You shouldn't do that because uh, you can ingest quite a lot more than you would that then would be safe. I have now heard it all. Oh my goodness. Also, (laughs) I'm not mad because in in high school, yeah, was in high school. Yeah, my parents are really strict though. It's not like I could just light up the homemade <laughs> apple bowl like whatever was <laughs> being done but you school. could put it slice a pop tart in half and put it in there like what <laughs> well it didn't smell is my thing yeah sprinkle it on some avocado toast we've all done strange things regarding this subject in high school <laughs> i did not at all i i didn't yeah well you guys don't count because you're weirdos okay <laughs> Mac, i'm glad you're here with me yeah sorry guys it took me until i got to college to do those weird things but i got there um, I will say my favorite visual element, though, was after Chris hangs Jason outside the barn and then she goes downstairs and opens the barn door and he's hanging there like at eye level. I was like, oh, I hadn't considered that that was the logistics of where he is in space and time right now. Uh, this is awkward. I would like to note that instead of just like stabbing him, she chose to hang a man, which is like significantly <laughs> more brutal. Like you would, you would not just hang a man. Like his machete was there. She could have just like ended it, you know, like just wrap it up. But you know, that's not how movies go. That, hanging is pretty intense though. That was a really good idea though, considering that she had been stabbing him in the house with a knife and it wasn't doing anything to him. And he's a big guy. I mean, if you have the means, like she got him prone 
in the at the top of the barn and the rope was right there that makes perfect sense to do and that's actually Ugh. one of the reasons why i enjoy her so much if you say so i'd never go oh let me hang him well that's i mean when are you at the top of a barn with a masked killer with a rope hand like sitting like right there <laughs> i can assure you that i wouldn't think to hang someone <laughs> okay i do think you know as we talk about like chris and jason and their dynamic i think one of the best parts of this movie is the showdown between them because this is a monster who has traumatized her. And despite her fear, she acts in, in cunning ways. I love her strategy of hanging him. You know, she has her moment of panic in in the second store of uh, the Higgins Haven. And she gathers her wits. She stabs him. She gets out of the house. She lures him out to beat him on the head. She hangs him and then takes a damn axe to his head. Like, I feel like she was a really effective, incredible final girl. All right. Uh, to ease to ease the blow that'll come when Paris complains about her. I will say, I think, I think it's not necessarily her that I have distaste for, although I never, like, really cared about the character. It's like the whole... Uh, I guess more towards the beginning of their chase scene, like when she goes into the house with Rick and then Rick is, disappears. And she spends just like a significant amount of time just like yelling Rick's name like over and oh, over yeah. again. It made her look dumb. Yeah. And I was just like kind of over it. And then there's just like, it was just, I don't know, a boring chase to me for some reason until they got into the barn. The barn is the the only part that I enjoyed. Yeah, that was the part I didn't fall asleep through. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, you know, in part two, you have Ginny like running through wildly through the woods and then ending up at, at Jason's shed. I feel like of, of the final girl chases that you get, she's was, hers was like the most dynamic. But... Ginny used her child psychology degree to pull that like crazy stunt at the end where she pretended to be the yeah. mom. And I was like, that's when Ginny won me over. I did like that move. I mean, can we talk, Chris, in regards to that girl, Chris, can we talk about her flashback and like her motivation for being there? Because the whole time I was like, has she been here before? Was she in the last movie? Because she keeps talking about how she was here two years ago and something happened. So I was a little confused. And then we got the flashback and I was just kind of like, huh? Yeah, so separate thing. Uh, her her run in, like she's had a run in with Jason in the past. And if you watch this immediately after watching Friday the Thirteenth two, Part Two, it's confusing because in Ginny's hallucination, Jason has hair. He's clean shaven everywhere with his deformed head. Here, there's some continuity errors. Chris has nothing to do with Friday the Thirteenth Part One or anything like that. This is taking place immediately after, like the same day that Ginny is rescued from part two. So her trauma, like she's just at her parents' barn, like countryside escape or lakeside house. So she had a run in with Jason and he assaulted her. And it was actually supposed to be a lot more dramatic. It was supposed to actually be a full on sexual assault. And they cut that out of the movie because they didn't like what they did to Jason's character. But that was her deal. She was traumatized and she it had been a couple of years and she just wanted to move forward and feel like, no, I can do this. I can be here. I can I can face my fears and not let this control my life. And just like that, I feel like she's 10 times less lame. <laughs> See, I was like, okay with her whole trauma story and everything. I just, before we got that, I kind of was like, uh, can you talk about something else? I don't know. She spent the entire time saying things about something that we didn't know anything about which when you're watching a movie is kind of like difficult and kind of annoyed me where i was like okay but what happened though like just tell us yeah or like why are you here yeah why are you here why were you here yeah i just yeah and it's just like her and um her little boy toys like i don't know it was just (laughs) like a freaking like i was just trying to figure out what was going on with them i was like this is the most awkwardest first date 
With a 45-year-old man? So true. With like a lot of (laughs) background for some reason. Like it's like someone you've known your whole life, but you're finally going on your first date. So you have a lot of to talk about, but like it's also an awkward first date. So it's just interesting. So yeah, it's not their it's not their first date. They've been together in the past and they haven't really been the same since this happened to her. And he's been like, You're different. What what happened? And she doesn't like fully want to like talk about it hundred percent. And then she kind of has to talk about it, even though he's like, Oh, you don't have to say anything. Well, she's like, No, I fucking clearly have to say something because you don't respect my boundaries. This is Chris's heart coming out because Chris has love and care for people that have been through things, whether they want to talk about them or not. And that's why Chris loves this character. And there's nothing wrong with that. And also because the character's name is Chris. Yes, also cheating. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. I actually think that's slightly annoying. And I also would never date another woman named Chris or Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Rick was just like a douche that wasn't hot enough to be as douchey as he was. Exactly. It's like he had this thinly veiled fucking nice guy act. Like the only nice guy in this movie was Andy. That's it. He was just living his life with his pregnant girlfriend, having a good time, trying to tell Shelly not to be a fucking idiot. And then he got cut in half. Andy was super chill. Poor Andy. But we're talking about the, the climax of the movie. We're talking about Chris defeating Jason. I got to say, my worst part of this movie is the ending. Why? Why do you feel the need to bait and switch and rip off your own franchise on part three? It's not clever. It's not nostalgic. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's been 20 years, right? There's been barely been any fucking time between this movie and the first one. The first one came out in 1980 and this one is 1982. And here we are. It's not a fun throwback. It's a, oh, I don't know what to do. Let's bring the mom out of the lake. It is the most (laughs) infuriating thing that ruins the whole movie. For me, at least. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I feel like there was like little effort given um, to this ending. And honestly, like there's this huge plot hole um, that Paris hit on. And I'm just like, okay, one, Pam was decapitated. Also, how did Chris have this freaking dream that she knows who these people are, yet it literally happened, like, she wouldn't have met Pam, like, Jason she would never have heard of, because this technically happened the night before. Exactly. It was so confusing, and I was like, luckily you don't pay attention that hard, but, like, I don't know, that was just, like, a pain point for me if I had to pick something about this movie. Did you say, luckily I don't pay attention that hard, but you did? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is true. I mean, I knew, because I think I had been, like, super excited about watching this, and I remember, and I, I don't know, I was just like... And clearly I was paying attention in the beginning because I was like holding this phone up to my face so these freaking priests wouldn't see what I was watching. So I was very in tune to what was going on. I was like, oh, interesting. I never picked up that this was just like the next day that, you know, this is happening. I agree with you, Alexis. It's like, it kind of doesn't make sense. And then also like, even after the canoe situation, just her walking out of the house and there's just cops and like, Jason's just still laying in the barn with an axe in his head and nobody seems to really care. And like, I don't know. The ending just kind of, it it just falls flat, especially after the canoe. And I already didn't really like the chase scene, but like the canoe situation and like, oh, but but what about the lady? Like, what? there's no lady. She, she has no head. She doesn't exist. Did you find the boy? We didn't find no boy. He's still out there. Yeah. Part one. Again, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then also just random screaming in the cop car and like, and then laughing. And I was just like, okay, she's losing it. Is that the point? Yeah. 
Okay. Is she the next killer? You have a survivor who's now experiencing a psychotic break after all they've been through. And it's just like, you ruin her character. Just wait until you get to parts four and five. It seems like she's going to be there killing people. There are characters who experience trauma in those films that end up kind of losing a little bit. It's like a recurring theme where, I mean, we see this in a ton of horror films, though, where it's like, you know, a victim of a crazy killer loses their mind a little bit. Sometimes they become a killer. Sometimes they don't. It just depends. Or or the niece or nephew. of Yeah. Again, not original to this franchise either. I know you guys mentioned the biker gang earlier. Yes. But that was probably my least favorite part. Just the little kerfuffle, kerfuffle, kerfuffle. I don't know how you say it, but the little tiff that they had in the shop. That part was really annoying. It was. I was just like, I know you guys said that it adds to something. I'm just so confused. The purpose that bike gang has is they siphon the gas that Chris no longer has to escape from Jason. Oh, well, duh. But like, I thought there was more meeting like to why. (laughs) So they. It's a plot device. They had some good alley-oops and that I appreciate. That was actually one of my favorite parts was, okay, the biking, they get the gas, right? So later on the van doesn't drive. Boom. Throw alley-oop. Love it. The harpoon bring, being brought along and then being used for an amazing kill. Like, okay, I shoot it, you all oop it. Love it. So there's like several parts of this. That's not how you use the word, I know. But you just keep saying all you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a basketball podcast it's, now. It's a thing that people say. I, I love that they have these little moments of a setup that pay off later in the film. But the, just the little fight in the beginning was was not a great part. And it seemed really silly. Like, oh, he drops his wallet and then they're going to fight over this now. And this is how they beef over picking up the wallet. Was it also like a toss? That's what hit the. Gr- that's why it hit the ground, right? Mm-hmm. He like tossed it over to her. He doesn't know how to throw. So he was like, here's my wallet. Who tosses a wallet in 7-Eleven? Like, right. That's the thing about Shelly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's also one of the worst parts is Shelly. In, in this film. Truly, I felt bad the first time I watched it. I was like, oh man, they're really treating Shelly badly. And then I rewatched it and I was like, no, Shelly's just kind of a jerk. He's not even a jerk. That's even the wrong word. He's a jerk off. That's how I feel about Shelly in this, in this <laughs> it's film. It's accurate though. It's Shelly accurate. Very true. If there was ever a moment where there's no going back for Shelly, it's when he shows back up, gives Rick the keys to his fucked up car now. He's like, oh, we ran into some trouble. That's not how you return a car that no longer has glass. Absolutely bizarre human behavior from that one. For me, I think the moment where he just completely fell off the face of the earth is when he was petitioning Vera for some good times and she was like, not going to happen, dude. And then doesn't he like, he calls her something behind her back, doesn't he? He calls her a bitch. A bitch. That As soon as that came up, I was like, please die a miserable death in this film. Yeah. He deserved it. Just real quick to go back to the biker thing. My beef with these alley-oops with an A is that I don't want to be able to tell that that's why somebody's in a movie because they're clearly only in this movie to get rid of the gas, pad the body count. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a very uh, original biker game. I've never seen a one like I don't know maybe I'm just going to like Sons of Anarchy or something. I was like, yeah, this is like it reminded me of like a cross of, you know, Hook. The Peter Pan movie, like the people on that island, if they were like uh, on Neverland, I guess, not the island, but Neverland, if they were in a biker gang. Like I said, it's the like kids. This, it's like, like an eight, a made up yo. 80s thing that never existed. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. I can give just a quick rapid fire of the things I did like about this movie. Like Ryan said earlier, the uh, diversity of kills, I think, is a really strong suit of this whole franchise. Uh, and this did not disappoint in that category. 
We also have a moment where Chris is in the barn and she like drops down from above and actually knocks Jason out with her ass. Uh, and I thought that was fun. Of course, the Vera kill, I think, is like a probably my favorite kill from the whole franchise. The lighting, the the cheesy 3D harpoon POV effect was really awesome. And then we have our handstand kill with the Terrifier influence there. And then also, Chris, I didn't hate the mom jumping out at the end. All the things that you said it wasn't and being like a funny throwback or clever. I was like, I thought it was those things. And like, yeah, it was like a throwaway ending because it really made no sense and it was just a dream. Um, And also, why did these girls decide to fall asleep in a canoe after maybe escaping a killer? That part I I don't understand. Uh, But I, I also enjoyed that final gag at the end with the mom. Yeah, imagine having all your friends killed and you actually fall asleep in a canoe in a lake. As if you could fall asleep in a canoe in a lake to start with. On a good day. Like what? Just going to take a nap. I didn't realize that we saw the power of the booty in this movie. I did, I just completely <laughs> glossed over that. What? She Add got that a killer to the booty. list of why Chris is incredible because she had enough sense to climb and hide. KO'd with the booty. Oh, I also love the moment where Vera totally shuts down Shelly. He's like, hey, maybe it's just the two of us. And she's like, oh, absolutely not. We're not doing that. I'm actually going to go sit alone by the lake. I was like, very beautifully done, uh, Vera. She was one of my favorite characters in the whole thing. Yeah, she had final girl material. And also, good for her for setting boundaries. And she shouldn't be penalized for that. And what's more is that, you know, Shelly comes back out to her. and She's like, I do like you when you're not being an asshole. Yeah, she didn't even apologize, which was good. Like, that's everybody's point in this movie. It's that Shelly is likable when he's not a complete asshole. And she offered for them to hang out and just talk. But then he's like... Nah, girl, you're a B. Yeah, I I mean, I'll be honest. As far as the characters go here, I really liked Vera. And then I pretty much didn't care much about any of the rest of them. I liked Andy. What? I mean, like, I'm not saying I didn't. I'm not saying I disliked them. I just like, I don't know. When I get into like a group of friends in the 80s, I just got to let it go. (laughs) And just whatever happens, happens. But I can't like, I just don't have the capacity to keep track of who's having sex with who. And who is rude to who? And like, I don't know. I just like, this is one of those movies that you just sit back and have a good time. I didn't care that much about Shelly. Sure, he was kind of trash. Rick was trash. It's just like, all right, cool. They're here. It's funny. I think the opposite. And I think maybe it's because I'm paying attention to like who's going to die because I'm, you know, writing notes on stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like completely invested in every single person. Like they all added something to to the movie for me um i really could uh get with debbie okay mm-hmm. of course you can <laughs> because she's not blonde and you don't like yeah. blondes. exactly <laughs> also th- literally uh i just love her comeback on the guys like how are we gonna have sex or how are we gonna have sex in the hammock yeah and i forgot her comeback but it was just priceless something like uh she's like we get naked exactly i was like that is something i totally say just to be funny like, <laughs> all right hopefully still have a boner after me being funny but also would hammock sex be the worst thing ever or okay they acted like sitting in a hammock is the easiest thing like she's just on the edge of this hammock i was like that is not realistic at one point ever not even how that works in like modern hammocks much less og rope hammocks i also never trust like the weight that a hammock can hold so like more than one person i'm like "Mm, i don't know about this yeah like your arm flies through the hole that i don't know it was just crazy and then i love her like reading this book and then you have like 
a snippet on Tom Savini in it. I was like, oh, this is like priceless. I love this. I love this movie. <laughs> I think you can get like books about Hammock Sutra. I think that's a thing. About him and Karma Sutra? Just, yeah, basically. <laughs> Tom Savini's <laughs> edition of Karma Sutra? No, Hammock Sutra. So Hammock. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about a Karma Sutra book, like, yeah. but the special edition by Tom Savini. <laughs> no, not by Tom Savini. Just made for Hammocks. Hold on, because that's actually very on brand for Alexis. That's exactly the kind of book she wants to read. A gory Kama Sutra book. I would also like to note, there's one of those books for literally whatever you're into. So it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't validate it. That's very true. I, I got to call out Harold and Edna because that whole segment was so weird and random, but the characters kind of came to life a little bit on screen, like seeing Harold walking around his shop eating things. Spreading COVID. Spreading the COVID. Just taking a donut out of a box of donuts. Like you're going to come in there and be like, there's only 11 donuts in this box of a dozen donuts. And he seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, no, it's still good. That's the uh, small market charm that you get right. there. <laughs> right. That's artisanal. This is, everything here is small batch because I've eaten everything. It is not a baker's dozen. It's right. a baker's a negative dozen. Yeah. Half, <laughs> ha, uh, odd numbers only. It's the baker's assistance. <laughs> there you go. I thought Edna and Harold were weak and I was like, can you all die and get out of my screen already? What? They were nobody. They're so lived in. What was the point of them? They serve no purpose. To die? Uh, yeah. Jason gets a change of clothes. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what that is and also gives something suspicious going on uh so for chris to turn her head and say what is going on here as she's driving very recklessly rubbernecking <laughs> but when you think about like characters i think this is my this is my thing with you know freddie runs around a little bit not usually but like think about nightmare on Elm street part two at the pool party and he's like gotcha Jason Voorhees runs and he stumbles and he's clumsy. But in this one, it wasn't a good thing. Like there's a point where, you know, at the bridge and her car kind of stalls out and she's getting ready to go. He's actually limping running. And I just I don't want to see it. I like the idea of of killers just, you know, walking slowly, inevitably getting to you. Maybe I'm traditional because I just like it's this inevitability of they're always going to get you, even if they're going at their slowest. I don't want to see Jason getting hurt. Like, I want to see him get an axe to the head and keep going. Not, oh, I suddenly have this very small blade in my thigh and now I can't walk. It doesn't make sense for him. I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's a serial killer who does exactly what you're describing. Mm -hmm. And he walks really slow and he just has a one. He's a shape. Sometimes they call him the shape. <laughs> and he's like super intense and he never gets hurt. Wow. And there's movies about him. And they're called Halloween. It's insane. How crazy that I've never heard of this before, Ryan. Thank you so much. It's almost like you would literally love it. I like it, though. He feels real to me, like more real than Michael Myers. I, I like Michael Myers, but I can't relate to him. <laughs> I can relate to Jason. I don't know. That's the thing, like, Sackhead Jason is clumsy and it's fine because he's like this clumsy guy who's just out here in the woods and like, oh my God, there are people here now? What are you doing on my land? But this guy is like, I'm big hulking, Jason. I am impervious and unstoppable. Oh, shit, you kind of hurt me. Now I'm limping. It's just, it's weird. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's humanizing. See what happens in part four. Revisit this conversation, and then we'll continue it. Really, what we need is the Tucker and Dale version of, of Jason. <laughs> just a big country boy, just lumbering oaf who just falls into the situation accidentally. That's what I need. I need a, a Tucker and Dale Jason edition. 
Speaking of country boys, I can't wait to watch this movie again. I don't know about the rest of you guys. And that is such a weird feeling for me because I hate rewatching movies. You know, it was a good rewatch for me. And I'm I'm kind of sad that I didn't start over again with the number one and then number two and then and then watching this film. I just jumped into rewatching the third and I kind of made a mistake with that. Yeah, I kind of wish I was in the same predicament like uh, Paris and Ryan. Like I wish I would have watched them all over again. I like may consider rewatching this after hearing you guys talk about how great it was. But truly, it peaked at two for me. And if Chris says that it's all downhill from here, then I'm concerned. Mm. I mean, there are people who think part four is like Friday the 13th at its best. Like that is when the formula is clicking and everything's going like a well-oiled machine. I happen to disagree. I suppose only time will tell. Indeed. Indeed. But the other thing that time has to tell us is what Mac has prepared for Factor Fiction. Well, let's see what time tells us here because I am the master of time, apparently, and of knowledge. So number one, the summer heat during filming led to several scenes being cut due to profuse sweating from some of the actors. Fiction. I mean, I feel like that would add to like the whole like ambiance and the whole like, I don't know, the whole movie. Could you imagine Jason with pit stains? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I feel like it's fiction because this had that like windiness that made me think it isn't filmed in the summer but also made me feel like it was a wind tunnel. So I don't know. I was thinking the same thing, Ryan, but just for shits and giggles, I'm going to say fact because I didn't notice that anybody was sweaty in this movie. So maybe they just cut all the sweaty parts out. Ooh, good observation. So this is a fiction. It was shot in January and February. So some scenes did have to be cut due to the actor's breath being visible. (laughs) That sounds That'll do it. Number two, Jason was recast from part two because the actor playing him refused to pay his own airfare to California. Ooh, fiction. I hope that's not what you're asking of me as an actor. Fiction. God, I'm just going to say fact again. Why not? You did well. It's a fact. Filming was moved from the East Coast to the West Coast because of the push to do 3D. And it was a lot easier. All the 3D stuff was closer. But Steve Daskowitz was East Coast-based and refused to pay his own airfare. So Richard Brooker got the chance to don the infamous hockey mask. And number three, originally the film had another ending in which Pamela Voorhees actually pulled Chris out of the canoe and into the water, but it was cut and replaced as it confused and upset test audiences. All right, well, I'm going to go fact because it seems like they cut a lot of stuff from this movie. Fiction. I'm going to say fact. I don't know. I feel like that would have upset people if it wasn't a dream. Yeah, it's a fiction. But there was another ending in which Chris leaves the canoe, makes her way back to the house, at which point she once again meets Jason... Who cuts off her head? Oh, where's that ending? I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> wow. The gore we never knew we wanted. Number four. The cabin in which the film takes place has since filming become a Friday the 13th memorabilia museum, which sells branded merchandise and offers the chance to take a photo with a lifelike Jason. Fact. Fact for sure. I want that to be true. Fact. Oh, it's a fiction. Ugh. Damn it, Mac. You're so gullible. I know. In 2005, though, some super duper fan decided to make a fire in the cabin's fireplace. The fireplace was fake and the cabin burned down. Oh, shit. He ate the weed. <laughs> That's <laughs> what happened. Really when you eat the weed, you burn down cabins. You get real high. <laughs> and number five, you can say Candyman's name three times in the mirror for fun, but apparently nobody said Jason's name in this movie once. I believe that's a fact because, oh, no, I'm pretty sure they said it when they were talking on the news. I think they said it at the beginning. Yeah. The clip from the second movie doesn't count. What? Oh, I mean, it's in what? the movie. Well, probably not just because there's no, like, no one knows who this person is. So they wouldn't be like, oh, there's Jason. 
there's Jason out there. Oh, shit, Steve. I'm going to say fiction because I feel like they did say Jason a few times, but I also watched all these movies consecutively. Maybe I'm just confused. I fully agree. Everything's mixing together for me. I am going to say fact. Good, because it's a fact. But it makes sense in the story. Like you mentioned, why would they know about who Jason is? This is the day after he just murdered all those people. Another plot hole. And that's our fact or fiction. Excellent. What an educational time. Now, there is a lot that you can learn about this movie and the franchise as a whole. On Shudder, you have the documentary Crystal Lake Memories, and it goes very in-depth on everything there is to know about this franchise. And of course, again, if you're the lucky owner of one of those box sets, you have a lot of behind-the-scenes footage as well. But as it stands for Friday the 13th Part 3, it's actually scored a little bit better than some of the other ones on our show. It actually earned one hack while squeaking by with four slashes. So we've had a lot to talk about here, and the conversation doesn't end here. There's always a lot of fun trivia when it comes down to Jason Voorhees. So we want to know what you think. Keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you ever stayed at a creepy summer camp, please let us know about it. Hit us up at our hackerslash hotline. Our number is 757-606-0128. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail, or an audio message. And if you can make a great recommendation for a book about Hammock Sutra, send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons like Kyle. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time. Bye.